You have a full beer. Yeah, I'm good for right now. So, uh, for everyone who may not have listened to this show before, we always start off with uh, a little bit of uh, of a local craft beer, etc. Get ourselves a couple drinks and settle in, and uh, then of course we sometimes uh, not so local. This one's from uh, San Diego. What is that? What do you got over there? I have the Ballast Point Even Keel uh, Session IPA. Okay. So a very light beer to start the evening off. We have a much more local, much heavier beer. Drink a little bit. All right, I'm drinking a Sam Adams Oktoberfest myself, and I'll tell you what, I, I kind of like this Oktoberfest. It's, I recognize it's not anywhere near the top, but for one you can pick up at your local grocery store, it's not bad at all. Uh, pretty much anywhere in the country. I'm yeah. sure that it's available pretty much everywhere. So if anybody has uh, questions, etc., feel free to ask in the chat room. And uh, in the time being, we're going to go over some things. We'll start with the uh, top performances from last week. So, Jason, just real quickly, uh, right. your, your fantasy teams. Now, I know they did pretty well. Uh, mine were uh, were hit or miss, but I, I wanted some big leagues. But the one thing that you were uh, were kind of upset about, right, was the uh, stat correction that they had uh, at the end of the games. Uh, well, today. at the end of the Monday night game. Yeah. Yes. So I checked my score forty five minutes an hour after the game. And I was winning, mm-hmm. right? By less than two points, my opponent had the Seattle defense. Um, I went to bed thinking that I had won. I did have Eric Ebron on the team, and he scored 2.2 points, which was just enough to get me past the Seattle defense, right? Uh, but the Seattle defense, I believe, was credited with a fumble recovery on the crazy Calvin Johnson play. When a Seattle player batted the ball out of the end zone, uh, thus, it was ruled a touchback incorrectly. Mm-hmm. It should have been a penalty on them for batting it out. He sh- he could have stood there and let it go out, but you can't make it go out. And nobody like nobody on the Lions and no none of the refs like realized that that was not the right thing to do. I didn't hear people talking about it until later on that night on the chat shows. Yeah, and of course, then you know they they go and and find exactly what the. Uh, what the play should have been called, etc. cetera. Uh, but a lot of times... Do you remember what the, the correct outcome of that play is supposed to be? What is it? I don't know. I'm curious. <laughs> I, I don't know if the Lions get the ball back or where they get the ball back. I think we might have looked it up at the time, although at the end of, uh, of a Monday night like that, it's probably a pretty drunken affair. Uh, once in a while, sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, besides that, I think a, a lot of things went according to plan. And, of course, as always in fantasy football, a lot of things didn't. So I just wanted to touch upon some of the uh, top performers, like I mentioned. Uh, first game, of course, was the uh, with the London game. I'm not going to talk about the Thursday game because I'm a Pittsburgh fan and I'm not really excited about that whole situation. <laughs> but uh, the London game... Not a big fan of Scobie? No. And, and neither are they, so he's gone. Right. So Chris Ivory was a great performer in the London game. And that's, that's something that... Um, I don't know. You know, that... I don't think there's ever been anybody who has run for as many yards as he has in an international game like that. He went for 166 and a touchdown. And certainly one of the better performances I've ever seen that early in the morning. Although they have a little time to prepare for it. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, they go over to England the week before and the the, uh, Jets brought over like toilet paper and all kinds of stuff just to uh, make themselves feel right at home, right? Right. Uh, and we also have a uh, Justin Forsett performance versus Pittsburgh, and I said I wouldn't talk about it. Uh, 
but uh, 150 yards. Uh, he didn't get a touchdown, but he did have his best game of the year. Uh, Definitely his best game of the year, yeah. After that, it was Todd Gurley who ran for 146, and we'll talk about him a little bit later, but the surprising thing about this performance is that previously he had only been mixed out there for a couple of attempts, didn't really get any yardage, and playing against the Arizona line, which is usually pretty staunch, uh, it's surprising that he would do so well. However, St. Louis kind of pulled out all the stops against Arizona in this yeah, game. Yeah, it was a lot about game flow, I think, benefited him greatly because they were never playing from behind. Mm-hmm. So they were able to run the ball and uh, pass the ball you know, with great efficiency. Yep. Uh, Le'Veon Bell did pretty well as well. It's, it's interesting that, that two of the top rushers um, from this whole week were from that Thursday game. Because usually, as we talk about, those Thursday games generally are not giving us a whole lot of high scoring or big fantasy point performances. Sure. Well, you know, 50% of that I expect out of Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Forsett is kind of a surprise, but... Uh, if memory serves me, there weren't any other uh, fantasy performances that you wanted to have on your team from that game. Yeah, not really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least if there's a passing game, the quarterback and the wide receiver, and usually the running back anyways, are going to be getting involved. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a question real quick from the chat room, which is uh, Hyde or Woodhead this week. So uh, let us know, Sex and Donuts, great game name, by the way, uh, if it's a PPR league or a standard league or if there's any other snafus there, we'll get back to you in a little bit. Um, just very quickly, because I don't want to spend too much time, but the person who threw for the most yards this past week, do you know who that was? Uh, was it Alex Smith? Yeah, it was Alex Smith for three, okay. 386. And zero touchdowns. Right. He was throwing it, <laughs> and then Cairo Santos was kicking it. That was the whole Cairo Santos. There. <laughs> he was only owning like 6% of Yahoo leagues. Right. Uh, and then Josh McCown is also up there, another unexpected name who threw for 356 and two touchdowns, including one cool little uh, pitch to Duke Johnson for a long touchdown. And I don't know what to say about McCown in Cleveland other than uh, he has he has certainly done a lot better for himself there so far this year than he did on Tampa Bay. Yep. All right. So uh, going back to the question from the chat room, the standard league, Carlos Hyde or Danny Woodhead, they're actually very close on our rankings. Uh, we have Carlos Hyde at 20 and Danny Woodhead at 23. Mm-hmm. Um, so Dave, usually when players are that close, it's almost a, a coin toss. Um, we would say lean towards Carlos Hyde, obviously, because he's going to be getting the bulk of the carries and they're going against the Giants who aren't spectacular on the ground. If the... Uh, 49ers can it all keep it close, then I think Carlos Hyde will have a little bit more of his average. And Danny Woodhead is uh, impressive this year to me so far, but he is a guy who's going to be splitting with Melvin Gordon. Yeah, he's he's playing uh, against the Pittsburgh on Monday night, and their defense has looked a little better. And Ryan Shazier should be there, yes. but he will get some some you know little uh, drop off passes, etc., like he always does. But just like you said, he'll be splitting duties with Melvin Gordon, and Carlos Hyde is going to be getting the majority. So in this case, because it's not PPR, I would go with Hyde as well. All right. Uh, just very quickly to touch on the wide receivers, I don't want to leave them out. Right, uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who's just a beast. He had 157 yards, no touches. Houston though. is the uh, is the garbage time king this year. Yeah, that's happening. <laughs> and Jeremy Macklin uh, had 11 receptions for 148 with no touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of these guys that have gotten a ton of yards in the past few weeks, uh, not necessarily have the touchdowns coming with them. And it's interesting when you see um, Jeremy Macklin up there in the top three players in yardage. When, in the beginning of the season, it didn't look like that was going to happen. 
Well, last week he also had a really good game. So I think that they're kind of figuring out that they need to use uh, Jeremy Backlund as much as possible. Maybe they have no other receivers on. That but team. it's not winning them games. It's it's basically garbage time. Like they didn't. Well, he had points throughout the game. He was pretty steady throughout this game, and they were never like totally out of it until the end when it was like two touchdowns at that point. Well, sure, but although it's kind of a defeatist uh, strategy to be kicking seven field goals instead of going for some touchdowns. Well, it is because that seventh field goal came like as the clock expired. Right. And they lost by like two touchdowns. So I don't know why. I mean, there's no real point in throwing and trying to score a touchdown anyways, but I don't know why you kick it just to pad stats, I guess. Yeah, I don't really get it. <laughs> but that's like the most blatant pad, you know, stat padding you can get. I guess they just want to make sure that Macklin knows that they care about him. Well, they need him if they're going to start winning games. And they play the Bears this week, so they have a much easier matchup rather than going on the road to Cincinnati. Right, right. So, um, you know, I think that that'll work out for them. Okay. Well, I don't I don't disagree with you. And uh, so let's talk about some of the injuries uh, over the course of the week and some that were a little bit beforehand. Mostly stuff that was suffered this past week or, or slightly before. So, or going into the games. Yeah. So Andrew Luck has a shoulder separation. He may miss another game since they're playing on Thursday versus Houston. And I think that Hasselbeck actually suffered a concussion or something like that. Uh, in this game past as well. Oh, boy. Which means that I don't know what Indianapolis is going to do. They're going to try to get luck ready, obviously. But if he's not ready to go... Indianapolis and Dallas are like getting bit by the injury bug really bad. Yeah. Uh, and, and some other teams, too. I mean, it always happens. But uh, I think that if luck isn't ready to go, they just have to kind of sacrifice a game uh, unless Hasselbeck can lead them you know, out of the waters again. Uh, Indianapolis. They, I mean, it's such a winnable game, and it's a home game, I believe. So they really gotta try and win this one. Yeah, uh, but keep your eye on him. Obviously, we like luck going forward, but there is a reason why they're not playing him. Even if he is eighty percent healthy, it's because the O line is still bad. The quarterbacks are getting sacked, and you don't want a guy like that, who is your future uh, quarterback, you know, franchise guy, to be getting sacked on a bunch of crap garbage plays. Um, LaShawn McCoy from Buffalo, hamstring injury, three to four weeks possible on top of, uh, of missing this past week. And Carlos Williams suffered a concussion in the game on Sunday. So, uh, if he can't go and McCoy obviously will be ruled out for the next couple weeks, what does that leave us with? So Anthony Dixon is there and he, um, Hasn't really done a whole lot this year because it's all been Carlos Williams and LaShawn McCoy. Booby Dixon, yeah. That's right. And they just signed Dan Heron. So um, I don't know which of those guys they would actually uh, decide to use as the starter. I would imagine that it would be a pretty even split with probably Dixon starting the game because he's been on the team longer. Yeah, you'd think that, that Dan Heron probably will come on strong. and He did well in the Colts, for example, but... He does not know all the play calls right now. He's a newcomer to the team. Right, so they'll try to just get him into game situations where he'll be more comfortable rather than starting from scratch. Yeah, and even if a concussion does end up taking uh, Carlos Williams another week to get ready, he probably won't miss more than that. So I'm assuming he'll be back on, which means that Heron's not really a pickup, and Dixon is someone who we're, we're struggling with maybe is suggesting to add in a really deep league or if you don't have any running back help. But I don't think he's going to go out there and run 100 yards and a touchdown or anything. So Probably not. I mean, running backs aren't super thin this week. Uh, I think it's Minnesota and the Jets, so that's two top flight running backs missing. So if you're missing Miami, McCoy, go, go grab another replacement. Yeah, and Carolina. So 
Miami and Carolina not necessarily the uh, running backs that you're worried about replacing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lance Dunbar, who was shaping up to be a really good third down back and actually getting a little bit of work there in that crazy triumvirate uh, that was Darren McFadden and Joseph Randall, he is out for the season. I think he tore his ACL. So unfortunately for him, uh, that takes him out of this Dallas uh, equation. And that means that Darren McFadden is now solidified as the third down back. Yeah. And Christine Michael is going to start playing every game, and he'll be getting some carries uh, early to spell uh, Joseph Randall. So now we have Joseph Randall, Darren McFadden, and Christine Michael. Uh, earlier today, I saw some news that the running back coach of the Dallas Cowboys has decided he, that they're not going to, or was it the regular coach? It was Jason Garrett, I think. Uh, is not going to hire any other running back. So they're going to. They're not going to sign anybody else. They're going to stick with what they have. So it's good news for Christian Michael injury, owners because he's going to get some work out there. Uh, remains to be seen what that means. And the Dallas offense, even though they do have a good offensive line, is not especially great. However, if a guy like Joseph Randall can have a couple of touchdowns in his uh, cup, you know, in a really early timeout, then it gives you a lot of hope for uh, the possibility of Michael breaking out here on the Cowboys because he never really got a chance on the Seahawks. But, again, that's a guy that you probably don't want to pick up in a 10-team league. Probably borderline on 12-team. This is a 14- or 16-team or a dynasty pickup. Uh, certainly. You don't uh, like throw him in the lineup right away. No. Super flyer. I suppose if your bench was devastated, then you could go ahead and throw him on your team. Right. Well, speaking of the Seahawks, uh, where Christian Michael used to play, we have Marshawn Lynch. Yeah. So Lynch uh, did not play on Monday night this past week. He uh, had Thomas Rawls starting for him instead. So Fred Jackson got hurt in the last game. So, you know, the Seattle backfield is in complete disarray disarray at the moment. So Fred Jackson is probably going to be gone because it's high ankle, right? High ankle sprain. That's never like a thing that people come right back from. And he's not that kind of player. You see two to three weeks and he's the oldest running back in the NFL. Right. So he's going to be out for probably the full three weeks. So Thomas Rawls uh, did have a tough matchup against a good defensive line from Detroit. You know, they were sacking the quarterback all night. They kind of held Rawls in check. Um, but I do expect Rawls to have a better game. I believe that they play Cincinnati this week. Uh, so you may have to double-check me on that. But I think that um, Seattle is uh, probably not going to have to worry too much. But, you know, their biggest problem is their offensive line. Yeah, the Hawks play Cincy, uh, but they really don't have a very good O-line right now, and that's why Russell Wilson is constantly scrambling and why their right. passing offense isn't really working out as well as we thought it would either. Exactly. So Russell Wilson is just going to have more to do, um, try to make those uh, crazy plays in the passing game, but they're not going to score a ton of points is the problem. They only have like five offensive touchdowns. Yeah. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. So, so Rawls is a recommended pickup by us, and uh, it's a guy who will monopolize carries down there because there is That's no That's a guy else. I would feel much more comfortable starting than Anthony Dixon. Sure, of course. I mean, he's probably not available anymore, but if he is on your league, you have to get him. Yeah, because- last week was the time most people picked him up. So take a look. Just make sure. Do your due diligence. But um, Well, there are rumors it, that, that Lynch is going to play this week, but the right. other rumor mill, you know, well, not the other one. Uh, There's many rumor mills, Dave. The same rumor mill. Uh, it had uh, the Conjecture says that perhaps it was a grade one or two tear in the in the hamstring, and that would mean he could be out for a number of weeks. So I don't know. At this point, there hasn't been any official confirmation. All right. So Houston's also got plenty of problems, right? 
Mm-hmm. So Nate Washington and Cecil Shorts went down in this past game. Uh, I think Cecil Shorts has some sort of partial tear in his shoulder. Uh, since this is a Thursday night game they're going into. I think he dislocated it. or, or Partial dislocation? Something. I saw partial, and you're probably right about dislocate. Partially right. Anyways, yes. <laughs> something in there is partially right. Yeah. Uh, he's probably not going to play on Thursday night. He's been a target machine. He's had 39 targets this year already, which is you know probably in the top 15 or so. He's one of our favorites, too, and we've said his name a couple times, so I'm going to drink five. Oh, yeah, we owe for that. As a rule here on the show, it's drink five every time we mention Cecil Shorts. So. And then uh, Nate Washington was his running mate this year. Also has a ton of targets. Now, Houston has, I believe, uh, had the most pass attempts of any team. In Houston, they say that? In Houston, it is that. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, surprisingly enough, considering they have one of the worst <laughs> quarterbacks of any team. Two of the worst quarterbacks. Yeah, they have a couple bad quarterbacks there. Yeah. Uh, so DeAndre Hopkins is the only guy to really be confident in starting there. Um, if Cecil Shorts comes back and he's healthy, especially if Nate Washington isn't around, you might want to start him in his traditional role of being the garbage man. Uh, but for now, just rely on DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about... Arian Foster in a few minutes. Yeah, I wanted to mention Jalen Strong, uh, who's the rookie there, who has, hasn't really been active because of all the other people that were in front of him in yeah. pecking order. Yeah. However, Jalen Strong, they said he did really well in uh, training camp, at preseason, etc. Uh, I saw a we couple saw of their training games. camp that worked out so well for them. Yeah, well, <laughs> look, regardless of what they're going to do, they're still going to have a ton of targets because they're always going to be playing from behind because they don't have a good offense and yeah. the defense hasn't been clicking. So Jalen, I think, is a pretty good guy who can come in and soak up those targets that Washington and Shorts had. Now, whether or not you believe in him as a, you know, as a football player, that's that's something that remains to be seen. But in like a twelve-team league, for example, or a PPR league where you're thin on wide receivers, that's a guy you could throw in here, and Houston will be targeting. Um, and he's owned by almost no one right now, so you can get him in the deepest of leagues. Uh, Stevie Johnson, hamstring injury. Uh, he's had the same kind of thing in the past several times, may sideline him for a little while. That tends to happen for guys that have the same kind of repetitive injury. I like Stevie Johnson, but he uh, he hasn't been severely overperforming his projections. <laughs> uh, it, he started off the season doing really well. He's been roughly matching his projections. And San Diego hasn't been very good in general. Now, when they get Antonio Gates back... Uh, that could open up some more passing lanes. Philip Rivers actually leads the league in passing yards right now. It's just like Ryan Mallett, though. I mean, they have to pass. Right. They've been in that situation a lot, which is what you look for in you know guys that you want to start on offense. Yeah, these are the best teams to look for PPR targets. Yes. Um, I mean, Keenan Allen's been soaking up receptions. Antonio Gates comes back. I think that he's going to be worth starting. Yeah, he'll be good. Uh, Ladarius Green was doing very well, and then he got himself injured. So I think Gates's return this this week should bode really well for owners. Uh, and definitely a guy you want to start right away. I know you've been waiting to start him anyway, so it's not like I'm telling you anything. You I don't know. have Antonio Gates anywhere. And it just dawned on me that there's a league that I am in where I've had Antonio Gates nearly every single year. <laughs> so I must go hunting for Antonio Gates and try to trade for him. Well, he was available on some wires in leagues that I was in. You know, I try to tell people... Uh, the like be- week before is usually the right time to get those guys. Yeah, the best advice is to go pick him up the week before anybody thinks about picking him up. Uh, if you can think one week ahead, like uh, I was looking at lineups in week six, 
uh, today while I was at work. And as long as work doesn't know, that's fine, right? Sure. Uh, as long as they're not listening. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I was looking at week six. And if you look at week six and say, well, I have a problem at buy here. I'm really thin at wide receiver, etc." And a lot of times you look at your lineup and you say, I don't really need to pick anybody up this week. Or there's not really anyone on the waiver wire that's interesting to me. Right. But so what should I do for next week? If you look ahead at defense or you look ahead at maybe a wide receiver that you're going to need for a spot start. Uh, that's a great way to get the get the jump on your opponents. Very nice, yes. Uh, Jordan Reed. Oh, Jordan Reed. Who we knew was going to be injured, but it hadn't happened yet. Only a matter of time. He finally got injured, was playing well, and not only did he have a concussion, but he also sprained his knee and his ankle. Oh, three injuries. So I, I have got a, the trifecta. I have a feeling that we're probably not going to see Jordan Reed for a while. Oh man, he was already <laughs> injured once this year. Well, it's so funny, isn't it? Because he's always he's always so great while he's playing. Probably because whoever it is that's quarterback on Washington always needs a dump off target. <laughs> sure, or they have to just fumble the ball and stumble into the end zone, mm-hmm. which apparently works for the Washington Redskins. Hey, if it works, it works, right? Um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, about trends for players. Uh, one of the things that we always bring up during the course of the season is that if you look and and see that a guy is doing well, then you should be playing that guy until he's not doing well. But if you can recognize that he's doing well because of some other reason, then that's a perfect opportunity for you to trade him or to, uh, you know, to sit him on your bench and not just go along with the flow. And what I did is I tried to identify just a couple of guys that are trending and and some are um, a little more uh, relevant Uh, as far as trends are concerned than others, but anybody who has gone up for a while and then stopped performing well or is in the middle of a downward or an upward turn is someone that we should talk about to see if they're going to continue that or not. Uh, Man, I tell you, before I get into this, one of the things that, that we brought up in the preseason this year was about Steve Smith. And the fact that Steve Smith, like some other guys, uh, performs really well during the beginning of the year and uh-huh. then tends to peter out a little bit. Sure. And he did that again this year. Of course... The I, injury has a lot to do with that. Well, well, I decided not to uh, to trade him because I'm like, I'll write him a couple more weeks. I, I have yep. to... I think I have to, in those situations where you identify a player like this, you have to do it earlier than you think. So I've noticed that. It, just like picking up guys a week early, you might need to start trading guys a week early. Don't be afraid of trading them before like that one big game yeah. hits. So hey, like you know, you may you know, if you trade people if you're somehow magical and you trade people right as they fail every time, <laughs> nobody's gonna trade with you anymore. I've had a couple of trades in a in a league there uh, where where I always trade someone and they get injured, yeah. Oh yeah, I'm never gonna trade with you there. But that has nothing to do with You're gonna like make my guy tear his ACL. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have like voodoo dolls of all the uh, NFL players just on the Just Adrian teams. Peterson. I, I just have one voodoo doll, and I have a bunch of different little uniforms that I put them in. Oh. See, that way I, I don't have to build a whole bunch of them. It's it's ideal. Anyway, uh, I don't actually have any voodoo dolls. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm kind of scared of, of all that, the witch doctory stuff, mm-hmm. um, on an unrelated note. So what I was saying is... It should I, be a retrospectical during the off-season. Yeah. Like, like it's all voodoo and shit. I, I would be interested in talking about that a little bit. I, I think there is some truth to that stuff, actually, which is kind of scary. Um, but Steve Smith, uh, he did well for a while. So if you do really well for two games, for example, mm-hmm. then and you're a guy like Steve Smith that I was going to think about trading anyway, I have to 
bite the bullet, I think, and, just, you do it. and start putting offers out there. Because we used to say three games is a trend. And what you tend to find is that that three games doesn't happen very often in the NFL because the NFL is brutal. And for someone, <laughs> for someone to get that many opportunities for that many targets and receptions, those amount of games in a row, they're going to break down a little bit. So whether that means it's a freak injury or you know you have a hammy or something like that, I think it's always going to be good advice to trade people after a couple uh, streaky games. So uh, speaking of that, we've got some quarterbacks I wanted to discuss. So right. Blake Bortles had a bad week one against the Panthers, but we know the Panthers have a great defense. Yes, they played very well this year. Um, so he had 183 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. Now that's Which not turns a bad. out to be decent against the Panthers' defenses. That's year. not a bad bad game, <laughs> exactly. The the twenty two for forty kind of sucks, uh, but only one pick against them. Hey, if they didn't take it to the house, then that's a win, right? I mean, they didn't win, but hey, exactly. Uh, but but over the last three games, he's thrown five touchdowns with only one interception for twenty one point six, seventeen point two, and nineteen points per game. So he's currently the number ten quarterback in overall fantasy points. And now we're getting into the bye weeks where people need to be swapped in and out. Sure. Like Cam Newton's not playing, Ryan Tannehill's not playing, etc. Yep. So this is a great guy to scoop up considering he is only owned in 18% of Yahoo leagues. But he's been putting up games that are 17, 19, and 21 points. And uh, he's uh, getting Julius Thomas back, which is another great red zone target, which will probably extend... Uh, will, Increase the likelihood of some more passing touchdowns. Did they ever get time to practice together? Or was he injured the whole time? Or did he get injured like during camp at some point? I think he got injured during camp at some point. Okay. Because wasn't it like a hand injury or something like right, that? Right, right. Yeah, because he wasn't injured when he was traded. Okay. They were expecting him to start week one. Um, anyway, so now uh, he's going to be playing against Tampa Bay and then Houston, who allow 15.5 and 18.5 points per game respectively. So, being that he's already outperforming his expectations on a weekly basis, he'll probably finish with more than that per those games. I'd expect him to average around 20 points again in these next two weeks. That makes him I could see that. an awesome quarterback as a spot start. And that's the kind of guy that you need to look for right now. Because in the next couple of weeks, you might have a quarterback that needs to be you know, swapped out. Now, remember, he does have, a, I think, a bye week in, in week seven. But we're just talking about the next two weeks because... Anything right, beyond those that, those are the weeks when he's going to be playing. Well, that and anything beyond that is is going to be too much of a crapshoot for us to even try to predict. You're like in week nine, Julius Thomas. Well, I mean, he could have been taken to the hospital, you know, for some <laughs> other. His injury. hand will just fall off. <laughs> well, I doubt he has another hand injury, but you know. yeah. Well, week six, you're actually not looking for too many replacement quarterbacks because it's Dallas, Oakland, St. Louis, and Tampa Bay, and none of those quarterbacks are just in basic leagues starting. Well, QB1, QB2 leagues, I'm just throwing it out there. Right, but, but definitely QB2 leagues, there's a couple guys in there. And for QB2 leagues, I think Bortles should be starting every week at this point. Well, not only that, he is currently a top 10 quarterback, which means he may be startable in your league just as a quarterback one. Ooh. Because you never know, like, okay, for example, our our league that we're in, which is just standard, uh, we, we're in one that is uh, named... Drink five, right. and we keep it standard so we can discuss everything in standard Yahoo terms in that league. So in this particular league, we don't have any extra bench spots, we don't have any extra quarterback spots or flex spots, but lots people, of streaming of quarterbacks if you need to. But people still draft two quarterbacks. 
They do, yeah. And and because of that, what you're left with is, um, you know, maybe not a top ten, maybe not a top fifteen quarterback available. So I can see Bortles being a starter in a one quarterback league, especially this next week. Um, so it's just something to look at. Yeah, well, I mean, if you just look at like the quarterbacks available in that league, um, we have you know Sam Bradford, Colin Kaepernick, uh, Cutler, Mariota. Um, Winston, Alex Smith, of course, Blake Bortles is available. Um, but Bortles is better than all he, of them. Well, yes, he is the highest scoring quarterback available. Right. With Alex Smith right on his tail. Yeah. So watch out was someone might scoop him up. Um, but my question is this. So he finished last year as the 24th highest scoring quarterback in standard league. So yeah. can he keep his current production or even let it off a little bit and finish in the top 15 overall at the end of the year? I think that he's got that in him. Uh, Jacksonville's wide receivers have been playing well. If uh, Julius Thomas is, you know, really a good player and it's not just Peyton Manning making him good, Mm -hmm. then Blake Bortles is going to, uh, you know, any regression you may find from him is going to be wiped out by Julius Thomas or, you know, he's going to continue to get a little bit better for the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, I think there's that. He's getting a little bit better all the time. We're finally seeing the Jaguars turn it around. Right, so will Bortles lead Jacksonville to at least six wins in a season for the first time since 2010 when they went 8-8. Eight eight. Hmm. They have one win so far? Yes. So, <laughs> they need five more wins for the rest of the year. It would be the best they've done since 10. I, I, I want to say off the top of my head, sure. Six wins. That would be really, But really let's look nice. at their schedule because they'll play the Colts again and they'll play... Um, and they'll play the uh, Texans twice. They play the Bucks, so that's three wins. I'll give them right there. Bills, Jets, Ravens, Titans. They got to win at least one or two of those games. They play the Chargers and the Titans again. Uh, Falcons and Saints. Their schedule isn't that hard. I definitely think they can get six wins out of that. I'll let them know you think so. Sure. <laughs> Send them a letter. So, uh, so we agree that I think Bortles will probably end up being a top 15 quarterback. Definitely a spot start, if not a guy you could start uh, every week if you don't have one of those uh, top 10 guys. Uh, Sam Bradford, he hadn't played an NFL regular season game since 2013 when he went in there this, this year in week one. Uh, but everybody was really excited about him and thought that you know perhaps they could lead the Eagles to their best record yet. I think the Eagles are always just around 500 or were they 10 and, 10 and 6? Uh, yeah, like between those two, but it's like nine and seven, just enough to you know be almost good. Yeah, yeah. So, Typical Philadelphia Eagles. With all the changes that Chip Kelly made, this uh, acquisition of Bradford and subsequent start was supposed to kind of uh, lead them into the promised land, as it were. So so far this year, he is the 19th highest scoring quarterback. So obviously, that's not working exactly according to plan. <laughs> Some experts on Fantasy Pros had him as high as number 7 to start the season uh, or as low as number 22. So suffice to say, over that average, everyone predicted that he would do better than he's currently doing. Where did we rank him? Do you have that data? No. Okay. Uh, but he has been trending down since week 1, scored 15.44, 9.86, and then 8.52 fantasy points over the first three weeks. But his performance in week 4 against the Redskins, he got 270 yards and three touchdowns with no interceptions. So, uh, going up against the Saints passing defense, giving up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks so far in 2015, is this the start of a resurgence for the Eagles offense and Bradford getting back up to, you know, a borderline top 10 quarterback? 
I'm not sold on Bradford being a top 10 quarterback, even in this offense. It doesn't seem like this offense knows what it's doing right now. I don't think that they're going to figure it out this year, at least not soon enough for him to make it into the top 10. If he's 19 right now, you know, he might make it into the top 15, but I don't see him as a top 10 guy. Okay, well, the top which, 15 which, would still be a good performance for him being around the average of like that uh, expert consensus ranking from the preseason. Yeah. Uh, all I'm saying is uh, he's been so dismal, and especially in weeks two and three, when he scored uh, an average of around nine fantasy points per start. Being that, he did just do 273 touchdowns, no ints, and he's going up against the Saints. This could be the kind of self-confidence booster that this team needs. Now... By that same token, if they end up not doing well against the Saints when they should, perhaps that's the end of them and all momentum will cease. Well, I think, no, I don't I don't see them just like folding it up for the season if they lose. You know, they're going to keep trying what they're doing. There's no way that Chip Kelly is going to like say, all right, I'm just going to go run a normal offense. Yeah, it seems like they always do a little bit better in the second half when they have these games. Uh, the first game in week one, they looked bad in the first half, came out the second half and threw touchdowns. This past uh, week, they looked bad in the first half, came out the second half and threw touchdowns. So I don't really understand what it is that he's doing or not doing, uh, but I do think that they will continue to do that. So I would say that he'll probably be a pretty good start this week uh, against the Saints. Like we mentioned, they don't have very good uh, defense against the pass. But to your point... Uh, I don't see them getting it all together either because it looks like they just had too many components and they don't fit in the right holes. They tried to put too many new parts in at once. You know, like when you have an existing machine and you have to replace something, you can usually replace one or two things and it goes back and it works just fine. But when you take half of it apart and put a whole bunch of new shit in, it doesn't always go as planned. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's right now... You know, a microcosm of the Philadelphia Eagles. It is just uh, too many new parts. They don't know how to work together yet. They will figure it out because they're not going to give up on trying it. But it may not be until like week 14. which In which case, they're figuring it out for the next year at that point. Because, I mean, they're in a, I don't know, you know, they're in kind of a weak division. But then again, like they lost to the Redskins. So that's one of those like instant wins I would have given them. Yeah, but we're not talking about the Eagles so much as we're talking about Sam Bradford. And if they're losing the game, it doesn't mean Sam Bradford's a bad fantasy quarterback. That's true. It that's might true. make him a better fantasy quarterback. We, and we see that a lot. I just... I don't think that they're going to figure it out yet. So I don't think that he's going to be a reliable fantasy quarterback. Okay. He may have good weeks and bad weeks, uh, but I don't think he'll be reliable. Well, they have uh, two matchups coming up, 5-6 and six versus the Saints and the Giants, which are pretty good uh, in theory. But uh, definitely not a guy that we both uh, will put our stamp of approval on. So uh, Todd Gurley. Uh, Gurley didn't play an NFL game until Week 3 against the Steelers, but he was only mixed in there just a little bit. Barely. Um, Saw had, him a couple times on the field. Right, mostly Benny Cunningham and Trey Mason. And that game was slow in general, so there weren't a lot of breakaway plays or anything like that. Uh, in week four, he played against Arizona, and we touched on this slightly earlier. Uh, and he broke out for 19 rushes, 146 yards, and two catches for 15. So, uh, being that it was the Cardinals' defense, and they did so well, I, I feel like this is just propelling Gurley into immediately having the lead back role. And I think that there's no reason why Jeff Fisher won't put him there. Your opinion? Um, I I totally agree. 
that is going to be the main guy for the rest of the season. Yeah. And um, I, I just had a slight epiphany, Dave. What's that? You realize we were at the very last game of Antonio Brown's streak? Yeah. Because he broke his streak last week. So we were at the very last game. We saw the end of history. That's pretty cool. And the beginning of the Todd Gurley era. And the beginning of the Todd Gurley era as well. <laughs> if that's the case. Yeah. Uh, it was sad that Antonio Brown ended his streak, and, but it's not really his... Yes, it is, because he missed that touchdown pass. Yes, if he would have caught that touchdown, then his streak would have been fine. Yeah, it's too bad. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Uh, 36 games or whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll drink a toast to you, A.B. Right, the, uh, the Cal Ripken Jr. <laughs> of uh, reception leaders. Um, so, the Rams play a whole bunch of soft rushing defenses coming up in the next few weeks. Cleveland, Minnesota, Chicago, and Green Bay. Gurley should be able to have really big games against all of them as long as they don't fall behind too much. And that shouldn't be a problem versus teams like Minnesota and Chicago and Cleveland. Uh, Green Bay, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, Green Bay seems like they've been toughening up a bit. Yeah. Uh, so will Gurley continue to run all over uh, you know, defenses like he did against Arizona? Will he be a top 10 running back when the dust clears at the end of the season, even though he missed the first three games, essentially? Top 10 may be pushing it, but I've seen plenty of guys make it there. Uh, heck, Le'Veon Bell was, what, two last year, and he missed three games? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I certainly think that Gurley can make it into the top 10. Will he? Um, I say he does. I wouldn't put money on it. I like the top twelve, maybe. <laughs> top twelve, but I certainly would. I wouldn't put money on it either way. Well, top twelve, it's real close. If you're saying he gets to number twelve, that's still pretty high praise. Oh yes, I. That's kind of you know. Yeah, I mean that's good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we both like Todd Gurley. Uh, he's not going to be available in leagues really. Although there was one league I was in where he was dropped, and what a ridiculous thing that person did. I but, may have a waiver claim in on him in a certain league, but I understand why he was dropped because. The, the person who drafted him must not have, one, really known who he was. Uh, so yeah, there and there, you got a bad fantasy football player. Uh, <laughs> two, he didn't perform at all in the first couple of weeks, although, again, they should have known that already. And three, when he did go out, he did nothing. He had like nine attempts for six yards. So maybe it was he, a disappointing start. Maybe he looked at that, you know, this, he or she, this player, and said, well, I don't think this is going to work out. <laughs> Unfortunately for him, this is one of those uh, I broke up with, uh, you know, my my girlfriend, and then my girlfriend got really hot <laughs> kind of stories. Yes, it is. So that's too bad for that that person. Um, C.J. Anderson on Denver, uh, he's been a kind of a sob story this year. So he's only scored seventeen point four points total in a standard league the entire season, Yuck. which basically makes him makes him like this big. Uh, big red loser sign. He's you know? a dumpster fire. Yeah, I mean that's a good phrase for it. So he was injured for a while. They were making him play out there, and he wanted to play to kind of prove himself, even though he was injured, which wasn't a good idea. But now that Ronnie Hillman has been folded into this uh, into this batter, you know, a little bit more, and in fact, he's even being played in clutch situations where before only C.J. Anderson would be out there. That doesn't bode well for him. Right, and the coach just said that, hey, you know, we're probably going to be putting Ronnie Hillman in more. Yeah, so does CJ eventually get his groove back here? Do uh, CJ and Ronnie Hillman just kind of have a weird fluctuating running back by committee? Um, what happens? I think it may be one of those situations where it fluctuates from back and forth. Week. You yeah. know, kind of like a Giovanni Bernard and uh, J- Jeremy Hill situation where, like, 
maybe next week and the week after Ronnie Hillman is getting the majority of the carries, but then maybe he fumbles or maybe he gets a little banged up and then C.J. Anderson has to uh, step up. Or if C.J. doesn't end up playing much for a couple weeks, that lights a fire under his ass and he does really well with the touches he does get and warrants more touches. I just think it's going to go back and forth and the Broncos don't care as long as they're getting production out of the position. They just have to figure out a, a way to make it work. Yeah, it's weird because that that Broncos team has constantly had people in and out over the past couple of years uh, trying to be the guy in Peyton Manning's offense. And every time we think there's a guy like Monty Ball or Ronnie Hillman or C.J. Anderson, they only end up having the gig for like six or seven weeks. Yeah, C.J. Anderson was probably the longest-lived one, and it did not last that long. So I'll tell you what, I don't even know because I haven't done the deep research, but whoever the third-string running back is on that team will probably end up being uh, like the, the standout running back of the last four weeks of the season. <laughs> so pick him up in Week 10 and, you know... Light Just a, a couple weeks early, right? Yeah. it's. I mean, that's a silly bit of advice to give, but that really is what's been happening in, in that uh, situation. It's just, it's always been a different running back. Oh, it'll be Jawan Thompson. So there you go, Jawan Thompson. That's my call for the best running back of the last five weeks of the season, according to the, uh, the Denver Broncos running back saga. <laughs> <laughs> so suffice to say, C.J. Anderson is... Not really playable on a week-to-week basis right now. But so does that make him droppable for you, Jason? Or is that someone that you have to just sort of sit on your bench or try to trade to someone who has Hillman, you know? Not quite at the point where I want to just drop him yet, but I don't want to um, start him. I actually have him on one team, and I picked up Ronnie Hillman early in the year because uh, after that first game, things didn't look right. Because you like these situations. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> it's it's just like I'm just attracted to the wrong kind of running back, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, I end up in these situations all the time, whether it's the Patriots or the Giants, and uh, now it's the Broncos. You just call your team like RBBC. R- <laughs> <laughs> Running back by crying. There you go. So, I'm going to be starting Ronnie Hillman this week in that league. Good uh, luck to you, sir. Yeah. Based pure, purely on the coach telling me to. I hope it's not one of those coaches that say the opposites. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he is. He's not that. He They're not quite like that. Well, it's it's Ronnie Hillman and C.J. Anderson. Now, as, as much as they are athletically gifted and talented um, you know, guys in the NFL, which is this huge leap as far as athletes are concerned they're great i'm sure but i don't think opposing teams are doing a whole lot to prepare for ronnie hillman differently than they'll be preparing for cj anderson that's true i mean they're they're not that different of guys it's not like marshawn lynch versus fred jackson or something <laughs> you know okay so uh alan hearns who i have to mention is included in our waiver picks which we'll touch on in a minute so uh we'll have a little bit more to say about him there as well. He is sitting as the 21st highest wide receiver this year with a total of 41.4 fantasy points in standard leagues. And he started off pretty slow, which is reasonable because Blake Bortles did as well, but has since scored 6.8, 13, and then 17.6 fantasy points in his last three games. Uh, Against the Colts this past weekend, in fact, Hearns had 15 targets, and of those 15, brought down 11 receptions for 116 yards and a touchdown. He goes on to play the Bucks this week, who have given up the 10th most fantasy points to wide receivers. So, 
I feel like Alan Hearns is this great up-and-coming guy. We kind of knew this already from uh, from the previous year. Uh, it's interesting that Jacksonville has such young guys on their team. They have Allen Robinson, who's really proved to be, or proving, I should say, to be a pretty good wide receiver as a number one. They've got Alan Hearns, who's, who's shaping up to be a, an awesome wide receiver, too. Uh, both of those guys are super young. And they've got Marquise Lee, who hasn't really panned out to be much just yet, but of those guys, maybe the one who was supposedly had more talent. But Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, the two Allens on Jacksonville, Allen and Allen have done so well. And I think that uh, there is enough room for several receivers on this offense. I know that's a difficult thing for me to say. Uh, just a couple years it's ago, a bold statement, Dave. Everyone was saying, well, "Just play your defense against Jacksonville." You know, and they were like one of the worst offenses, one of the most prone to turnovers. Yeah, and you know, we were talking about Jaguars earlier, and they, I really think that they are figuring everything out. They are improving as a team, which means that the players on their team are going to now be worth owning. Okay, so I was I was just saying, uh, six point eight, thirteen, and seventeen point six fantasy points in the last three games. He is trending up, obviously, but he does have to face the Bills and the Jets in the next two matchups. Now, the Bills, although you may think they have a great passing defense, they really don't. They actually, they, they let a lot of wide receivers uh, to have pretty big games. Yeah, I think that a lot of it has to do with Tom Brady. But they have given up a lot of points. Well, it's more like, you know, I think the Bills have a good defense against the rush and a good defense in general. But if you're talking about uh, a wide receiver two specifically, um, Alan Hearns might have a big opening to do well because they may have a good corner to take Robinson, um, for example, but I don't think they have guys to, you know, spread out against the whole offense. And plus you'll have uh, uh, no Julius Thomas still until the following week, which probably means that Jacksonville will be fighting for the win or be behind against the Bills. Yeah, yeah. And Jacksonville's defense is nothing, uh, you know, to snicker at, but uh, it'll be a close game. So, excellent spot start this coming week with four teams on by. Only 21% owned. Great guy to pick up. And it's surprising having, you know, the fact that he scored 13 and then 17.6 points. I guess people weren't able to pick him up after he scored the 17 versus the Colts. But it's surprising that more people didn't pick him up after his 13-point game. Um, Marvin Jones. So, we've talked about Jones for years. And uh, what do you have to say about Marvin? I mean, Jones is... Is kind of a boomer bust guy in my experience. Uh, just last week, he had only like one catch. He was returning a punt. Remember last year, he had the four touchdown game. That's what put him on the radar. Yeah, his for last everyone. his last four games were uh, fancy point scores of one point nine, eleven point one, fifteen point four, and one. Yeah, so I think there are definitely games out there that he's going to hit. But even when they play Kansas City with a battered secondary, you can't rely on him putting up those numbers. So. Uh, I like Marvin Jones. Don't put him in because you think you're smart and you're going to know the week. You put him in because you had an injury or you had a guy who uh, is on bye for just one week. You know, he's that kind of fill-in. He's a, well, well, this is a talented guy. I'll put him in. So you're keeping him on the bench to roll the dice because that was going to be my question. Um, he's not a guy that you would drop uh, after scoring one point because he did previously score 11 and 15. 
Right. He has a pretty good upside. But he's not know. a guy that you should start every week because that kind of lack of consistency is what loses you close games. Every week you can't start a guy that has a low ceiling and a high I'm sorry, a low floor and a high ceiling. You need at least, you know, you need you need at least a high floor if you're doing that. Um so you got to start him only when you need to. But I do think he's worth holding on to for a while. Because okay. it's it's unlikely you're going to find Someone who's going to immediately fill in on your team who can put up 15 points. Yeah, I, I, I just think that uh, that Andy Dalton has been doing really well this year, right? We know that. He's a top yeah. five quarterback. Yeah. And uh, A.J. Green has been doing really well, obviously. Well, Tyler Eifert is still uh, like a top three tight end or top five. And uh, they've also got Giovanni Bernard, who's been showing up. Um, so all those guys need the ball in order to maintain consistency. And because of that, there's not enough room for Marvin Jones to get enough opportunities to make himself startable every week. It's too bad, because I like the guy. Right. <laughs> but you think you think back to those games where he did score like three or four touchdowns. Uh, well, I think it was three, and then a two, and a couple other ones. No, he had a four-touchdown game. Four touchdowns. But when you go back <laughs> to those games, uh, and I don't know this for a fact, but most likely... During those games, during those years, uh, the Bengals were missing a couple guys. Well, or they, people that were was injured. the year they didn't have AJ Green, right? And then Mohamed Sanu kept getting injured, and they didn't have uh, like a mature Jeremy Hill and, and Giovanni Bernard, right? So all that stuff was was leading to Marvin Jones being the guy. But unfortunately for him, like their playmakers are just too good and too plentiful. Good and plenty, right? Delicious candy. <laughs> uh, my final guy is included in the waiver picks as well. His name is Gary Barnage. So before uh, week two, week three, have you ever heard of Gary Barnage? No. So he's a 30-year-old nope. tight end on Cleveland that only really became well-known this year because of an injury to their existing tight end, of whom I really forget his name all the time too. So <laughs> I, I, do you remember what his name was, the, the tight end? The guy who Cleveland? replaced Jordan Cameron? Nope. Well, I think he was a guy who was, you know what, I'm not going to (laughs) try. Anyway, you got Gary Barnage. He explodes onto the scene uh, in week two with six receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. So we say, who the heck is this guy? Is it a fluke? I don't know. His past four games, he had 3.8, week three, I must admit, 3.8, 1.7, and then he had 16.5 and 13.5. In other words... He scored two touchdowns in the last two games while averaging eight targets per game for a good amount of yards. So that tells me, because the last two games were Josh McCown games, yep. that Josh McCown likes Barnage, he needs a security blanket, and a red zone target on a team that has no good receivers, except for Brian Hartline, who gets lost in the secondary. Brian, I mean, didn't Brian Hartline get hurt too? He's probably out. And yeah. Dwayne Bowe was active for like eight snaps. Look, they have Travis Benjamin, <laughs> who's played very well all year. Um, and he's kind of a sneaky start. I would actually start him above like a Marvin Jones. Um, but you know, going back to Barnage and McCown, it's clear that McCown likes throwing to this guy. So I would, uh, you know, use Barnage as a fill-in uh, for tight ends this week. You're losing Jordan Cameron. Uh, you're losing uh, Kyle Rudolph and um, Greg Olson this week at tight end. So I think Barnage is a fine fill-in. Yep. Uh, so it, the Ravens, however, have given up the fewest points to the tight ends because right. nobody bothers using their tight ends against them. Right. So the Ravens have only allowed eight receptions for thirty-one yards. <laughs> Heath Miller got like nothing last week. That's because Michael Vick can't use him because he needs him to block. I know. But uh, 
I mean, maybe that's what's happening with all the matchups against the Ravens. But the point is that uh, tight ends are currently averaging .3 per game. Well, the Ravens have played a bunch of teams that have no tight end. So Gary Barnage might be the best tight end that they've seen this year. I can't imagine that's <laughs> true. <laughs> well, okay, they played against Owen Daniels and Michael Rivera. Owen Daniels is good. Well, and not anymore, really. He's better. He's not scoring as many points as Gary Barnage. He's Peyton Manning's tight end. He's automatically better than Gary Barnage. He's in a better situation than Gary Barnage. And he's a guy who, in the past, has excelled and gotten touchdowns. Barnage has none of that, ever. It's just a fluke. It's a total fluke, right? So you're not buying into it at all? I don't know. I say I say no. Everything's kind of lining up against him. Do you think that Gary Barnage is going to get another touchdown against the Ravens as Josh McCown's guy? When he was totally unheard of, he's 30 years old, and he's playing a defense that only gives up 0. .3 points per team, per, per game to tight ends. Uh, yeah, I think that that's a big statistical anomaly, that he can definitely uh, score like you know seven or eight points, a touchdown in 20 yards, whatever. All right. I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but, but I have him here because it is one of those very interesting cases because he did so poorly the first two games, uh, and then he out of nowhere started doing really well and maybe it is just wonderful chemistry because you know they're both over 30 and they have a lot in common probably more yeah. than a lot of those other tight ends yeah. so they can go home and play euchre and you know <laughs> <laughs> relax and talk about horses i don't know what, what they like mccown and barnage drinking old-fashioned a mccown and barnage sounds like an old like cigar or something <laughs> um so uh, waiver wire picks quarterbacks we have jay cutler now you are and or were a Bears fan. so Why you, must you always point that out to me? Well, this is qualifying you for this <laughs> this particular thing. I'm, I'm saying a lot of people have been down on Cutler. A lot of people have been high on Cutler. I know he's the only thing that can actually make that offense work. Is he it's someone true. that's going to be good going forward? How much uh, faith can you put in him? Because I remember in the past, uh, you know, there's been several times where you thought, personally, uh, and it, you may have been wrong about it, but, but in some sure. cases not, that Cutler could be like a top 10 quarterback. Right. He has played that well in the past. Um, he doesn't have the weapons anymore. Like, that was only ever going to happen with Brandon Marshall. Yeah, because Jeffrey is not Brandon Marshall. Right. Jeffrey was good because of Brandon Marshall. Jeffrey may be good again when he's healthy and the offense is doing better. Mm. Uh, but Jay Cutler is going to be a uh, middle-of-the-road quarterback. He'll be like... The in the fifteen to twenty range is the way that I see him for the most part. He'll pick up a few yards rushing, which will help his average, uh, help his floor a little. But you're not even gonna be like for sure starting him every week in a two quarterback league. That's the way I look at him right now. Okay, well, you don't sound too excited about Cutler. I do think that he has the possibility of putting up big games, but he just played Oakland, for example. And if you're playing Oakland, which has one of the weakest pass defenses, then you should put up a big game because that's right. what you're expected to do as a fantasy quarterback. Not that those expectations... Well, as an NFL quarterback. Well, it, you know, what game are we playing? Let's be serious. Yes. We're not playing uh, NFL. We're playing <laughs> We're playing fantasy. So uh, so I, I'm with you. I think it is a, a good pickup in, in leagues that are deep or that already have a lot of quarterbacks owned. 25% owned for Jay Cutler means he could be a pickup in a two-quarterback league to play. Um, but there are guys that are better, and we went over a couple of them. Uh, like I would, I would r- rather have Bortles uh, as far as consistency, I think, uh, than I would Jay oh, Cutler. Yeah. Yep, I'll take Bortles over him. Uh, Brian Hoyer plays on Thursday. Would you take Bradford over Cutler? 
yes, I would. That's really close. Um, and I'm not sure if Hoyer is actually going to start or not, but it does look like if you're in a really deep league and you need quarterback help, that Hoyer is going to end up taking over for Mallet. I don't think he's going to. I, I read something today that uh, Ryan Mallet is our starter. So maybe Hoyer you know, gets in the second quarter now. They keep saying that, and then they I take know. him out. I know. I mean, there's no reason to take out a guy if you're just going to you know, put him back in. They're going to figure it out. Uh, well, they're not going to figure it out, actually. But, but yeah, I mean, these, these are our waiver wire picks. So it, it's uh, important to think about, you know, uh, taking a guy like this in a really deep league. Owned in 1% of leagues, it's not a guy you're going to be starting this week. And he's not starting. But it's a guy that if you are in a dynasty league or a really deep league that you might want to think about uh, picking up because he may end up starting uh, later in the season. Uh, let's see, running backs, Duke Johnson Jr., He's the guy who had that great pitch uh, that he caught and, and ran for quite a distance from Josh McCown. It looks like Duke Johnson is... He caught a touchdown on the corner of the end zone, too. That's awesome. That was pretty impressive. So Wide receiver style. It looks like he may end up taking over the role there. But there are still other things in front of him and roadblocks. So, again, this is very uh, a very deep pick. And, and surprising that he's owned in 31% of leagues. Maybe because everyone thought he would immediately be the starter, and he's not. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a guy there in Cleveland at all. Duke Johnson might as well be the guy. Well, it's Crowell. Yeah, but, you know, he's not running away with anything. Well, might as well be isn't enough. <laughs> I mean, he has to get the job. Right now, it's it's a running back by committee, but Duke Johnson right. is playing better. So, it's one of those things where it, this is a slow burn. It's a guy to put on your bench. It's a guy to eventually take over the position. Uh, Charles Sims... Uh, running back by committee approach because you know there's only like eight guys that are actual workhorse backs in the NFL and if you don't have one of those guys then you're screwed and right you, you have to have multiple guys yeah and you have to just decide every week between all these guys and Doug Martin who has continued to uh, be unimpressive uh, Charles Sims has now been getting more and more carries every single game so he's had 10 receptions for 108 yards and two touchdowns, and looking pretty good because not only is he a guy that goes in there to fill in for Doug Martin, but he's also the third down back for Doug Martin, so he does get a lot of work. Um, the thing is, they're not going to take out Doug Martin. They're not going to replace him with Charles Smith Sims. So it's kind of like the Duke Johnson deal, right? It's a guy that you can slot in there, especially in a PPR league, and who has a pretty high uh, statistical chance so far this year of scoring a touchdown. But... They're never going to replace Doug Martin entirely unless Martin just fumbles it five times in a game or something. <laughs> yeah, Lovey Smith sticks with his guys far too long to a fault. And, uh, you know, they'll keep running Doug Martin out there. But, you know, the way that they've been doing it now with Charles Sims coming in for all the passing downs, they're going to stick with that as well, I think. Yeah, he's, he's just better at that role. Uh, Alan Hearns we spoke about already. He is a great waiver wire pickup if you can get him. Owned in uh, 19% of leagues. And he just put up numbers that would make him a starter for two weeks in a row. So you have to grab him if he's not available. You have to. Um, Willie Sneed is a guy who's taking over for Brandon Coleman as the third wideout in New Orleans. And Drew Brees is uh, come back to, uh, you know, take his job back from Luke McCown. To take his job back. I don't think Luke McCown was going to run away with it. Well, we thought that perhaps the shoulder injury that he was experiencing was more than it was. 
And you know that Drew Brees is working hard to get out there and do well. And he showed that he could pass it just as much as he needed to. He had a good game. And mm-hmm. he's going to pass it around and continue to do that, especially without a guy like Jimmy Graham to focus everything on. He's going to pass it out to a bunch of different targets. Brandon Coleman was a guy at the beginning of the year and in the preseason that we thought might end up uh, having that role, you know, as uh, as sort of his go-to guy in in the absence of a Jimmy Graham. Yeah, there was Brandon Cooks and Brandon Coleman, uh, but it looks like it's going to be Willie Sneed. Well, Cooks is the number one. Um, yeah, but Cooks hasn't been doing very much. Willie Sneed actually had more targets and receptions in him last week. It depends, right? Like, he, he, again, he passes it around like a crazy target monster. That's true. That's true. But Next week it'll be C.J. Spiller with 12 catches. <laughs> just because he's so happy about the 80-yard touchdown. Well, only owned in 3% of leagues. It's definitely a flyer pick. you got to roll the dice on Sneed. But it is nice to have a guy named Sneed on your team. Willie. You know, because then when you beat someone, you can be like, Sneed beat you. <laughs> uh, Leonard Hankerson you is a, another guy that we really like. Leonard Hankerson is the number two guy in Atlanta. And it's great to have that. The number two guy in, in his pass-happy offense, where you have Julio Jones streaming down the field, taking like three defenders behind him. Julio Jones leading the league in receiving yards. Leonard Hankerson is going to just sop up easy targets. And Roddy White was the number two, but he is just no longer a factor. And in fact, he said himself that he's okay with that. He's just willing to fade out gracefully. And what that means is that Leonard Hankerson now is going to be uh, a fantastic wideout option as a low-end starter for your team each week on Matt Ryan's passing offense. Yeah, which, if they're not giving it to Devonta Freeman 30 times a game, is quite prolific. Well, it's not. it can't continue to happen. Right. The uh, destroyer of worlds, Devontae Freeman, uh, is, is not going to continue that production as much as... He's not going to put up three more touchdowns next week? As much as his owners would enjoy it. Man. So, uh, considering Hankerson and Hearns are owned approximately uh, the same percentage in Yahoo Leagues, which one of those is ranked higher on our rankings? And which one of those would you rather have in a standard league? Hankerson and Hearns. Um... I need to go back to our rankings page. I was looking at our preseason. We were talking about Sam Bradford in the preseason. We ranked him number 16. Mm-hmm. So right in there, good well, ranking. We did just fine there. So, uh, Hearns is ranked number 25, and Hankerson is 28. So whenever we bring these guys up, they're always right next to each other. Well, of course. I mean, this is a, it's a toss-up decision. But right. basically, you've got the WR2 from Jacksonville. Or the WR2 from the Falcons. Right. We've actually got Hearns right behind Robinson. Uh, but surprisingly, we don't have uh, Leonard Hankerson right behind Julio Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, in Jacksonville, for example, there might be more pass attempts in a game than uh, on the Falcons. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, that Hearns <coughs> is going to get more targets than Hankerson. So, on a game-by-game basis, I would consider them to be pretty even, actually. Yeah, uh, this week, you know, if you're choosing between one or the other, you've got Hearns playing in Tampa Bay, good matchup. Uh, Leonard Hankerson is uh, playing Washington, and Washington does have a good pass defense right now. Um, So, I would go with Hearns this week. Well, Bradford just threw for 270 and three touchdowns versus Washington. In a losing effort. Fair enough. I mean, I, I just don't like to root for the Redskins. <laughs> I mean, look, I, there's you know a newfound running game in Atlanta, and there's Julio Jones. So I think that 
you know, there's a lot going on there where Alan Hearns is like kind of orbiting as one of the best weapons on the team right now. Well, Robinson's clearly above Hearns, regardless of what our rankings say. Uh, they do have TJ Yeldon as well, who's a three-down back. Mm-hmm. But he's certainly not putting up Devontae Freeman numbers, and Robinson is not putting up Julio Jones numbers. Exactly, so that's I, my point. I, I agree with you. Hearns, relatively speaking, is much closer to the top of his team than Leonard Hankerson, who is the clear third wheel there. Yeah, so I would go with Hearns over Hankerson. But both are, are very pickupable. But in, they're both like WR3 materials, so mm-hmm. you know I, we're just comparing them directly. And actually both probably slightly better in PPR considering they do get a large amount of targets and their their production is not based solely on touchdowns or red zone looks or long passes. Um, Gary Barnage, who we talked about earlier, so he has 12 catches in his last two games for 180 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, like we mentioned, uh, you could sort of have uh, the opinion of this was a fluke or you could have the opinion of uh, he's going to continue to score 10 or so points on average per game. And he could be a touchdown-dependent tight end like Scott Chandler in 2014. That would make sense. Um, We'll see exactly what happens with him. If he does score a high amount of points three games in a row, then that means that, one, you have a trend, and two, he's already (laughs) been picked up by 30% of leagues. Yeah. So now it's too late for you to pick him up. Well, probably. (laughs) Well, if if you... Come on. I mean, in the leagues that we're playing in, if in leagues that with with actual good fantasy players, sure, these these guys. Willie Sneed is owned in one of the leagues that I wanted him in. Well, there you go, nine percent. So he should probably be owned in in maybe two or three of the leagues that we're in. Um, Antonio Gates, we talked about him earlier. It is uh, someone who's owned in fifty four percent of fantasy leagues. So as a waiver wire pickup, it's somewhat suspect. Except just to tell you that if he's out there, which he's not in any of the leagues that I'm in, but he may be in yours. Yeah, me too. You need to take him. Uh, you need to take him right now, and you should have taken him two weeks ago. He should be ago. your first pick. Well, you should have taken him two weeks ago. Unless you have Gronkowski. <laughs> but even then, I would still probably take him just to like watch so him rack up points him. and trade him. Yeah, put him in your flex. Um, we don't usually talk about kickers on the show. I want to bring up Cairo Santos, who had seven field goals for 27 points. Fantastic. If they're going to continue to run this offense, which is Alex Smith passed the ball to Jeremy Macklin, Jamal Charles runs it for 30 yards, and then they kick a field goal, <laughs> then I'm going to, I'm all in on Cairo Santos every week. And on my kicker rankings, I think I put him up to like nine or something like that, which is a lot higher than he was uh, previously. Okay. And Robbie Gold... Um, it, it seems that he has 41 points on the season. But for whatever reason, no one is really using him. He's only owned And that's only in three games. <laughs> He's owned in 18% of leagues. Okay. And they're playing Kansas City, who has a whole bunch of injured defensive backs. Look, if Jay Cutler plays the rest of the year, I'm confident that they'll move the offense. Jay Cutler and Matt Forte combined will move the offense. Robbie Gold will get opportunities. Yep. So now these guys, uh, you have the opportunity uh, to grab them and use them as like your lower tier players yeah. because everyone else had forgotten about them for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, you know, the other kicker that everyone may forget about could be Steven Gostowski because if people dropped him because he was on bye last week, then look for him this week. Well, I, I would imagine that whoever it was that dropped Gostowski is going to be all over him because there seems to be a whole lot of New England love that's very pervasive. You know, I noticed in Flea Flicker... Going into this week, he was still owned by 95% of leagues. Everyone held on to him. Which means people were holding on to him, yeah. Because he's the highest scoring kicker in football, right? I know, I know. I mean, it's crazy not to keep him. But 
it's crazy to keep him. I don't know. It's one of those decisions that I'd be wrestling over internally. It depends on your bench, really. Yeah. I've kept them, and I usually dump them. Oh, well. You know, it's, times are tough. <laughs> uh, so we've got the uh, defense special teams. The Giants are an interesting uh, matchup because they're playing San Francisco. And San Francisco is going all the way to New York. And one, they have to travel, which is never good for a team. Uh, and two, the Giants do have... Uh, an interesting defense. They've, they've made some plays so far in a couple of games this year. Uh, Colin Kaepernick is one of the worst quarterbacks that are pl- is playing this year whatsoever. And Carlos Hyde can't seem to put it all together very well. So I think that the Giants should take advantage of some opportunities and be a decently high-scoring uh, defense if you're having trouble finding someone. But uh, my favorite, besides Denver and New England... Um, well, New England, you might be able to grab because they did have a bye last week. Yeah, it's possible. I... They're playing Dallas, and they should have a good time versus Brandon Whedon slash Matt Castle slash Terrence Williams slash <laughs> Joseph Randall. Um, but besides that, I mean, because my rankings go Broncos, Patriots, Bills, Packers, Cardinals, Bengals. Uh, I like the Falcons versus Washington. And I actually like uh, Tampa Bay versus Jacksonville. And surprisingly enough, I like uh, Tennessee versus Buffalo. Because I think that people are starting to uh, catch on to some Tyrod Taylor moves. Well, and I think that Dick LeBeau's defense there is, is doing pretty good things. And part of Tyrod Taylor's problem now is that he has no wide receiver or a running back. Mm-hmm. So it's all on him, and that's going to be a problem. It really is a problem. I mean, it, th- there was other things taking defense's attention. Even if like McCoy and Watkins weren't particularly effective, at least Tyrod Taylor had someone else that they had to pay attention to. Now everyone's eyes are focused on him, and it's going to be pretty rough for him. Well, yeah, like we talked about uh, Sammy Watkins not really performing up to spec. He was injured, but when you don't have Sammy Watkins in there, no one catches anything because they're all covered. Right. Watkins is the one that takes the defense away. Uh, because He was still, yeah, he was he still had to be covered. He's covered or double covered, and everybody else is, is has the ability then to find some open lanes. Um, so until Watkins gets back or they find a running game, you know, they're going to have serious issues. And I like Buffalo, and I, I kind of like Tyrod Taylor. He did well towards the end of the game, but that's, again, because that's what happens in those games. Yeah. You just you find your footing when the team plays uh, prevent because uh, they're winning. <laughs> uh, it helps a lot. It does. So that about wraps up our discussion. I, I did want to uh, just pick out one matchup to talk about here. Okay. Um, and if you want to grab one, too, that's, that's perfectly fine. Uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Chicago Bears versus the Kansas City Chiefs. So we talked a little bit, all right, about uh, Alex Smith and Jay Cutler over the course of the of the evening here. And I think that Alex Smith is a talented quarterback in some respects. So is Jay Cutler. Both of these guys can never really be top-tier guys. But right. They can have games where they have top three games. Absolutely. And uh, Macklin has been doing super well. The Bears have no secondary. Uh, Cutler has the ability to throw it 80 yards. Kansas City doesn't have a secondary. Right. Um, both teams also have... What does have, that mean? That both teams are going to run the hell out of the ball. Both teams also have really <laughs> good running backs in Jamal Charles and Matt Forte. Yeah. Uh, and both teams have pretty good tight ends in the form of Martellus Bennett and Travis Kelsey. So what I'm saying Lots is... Of similarities. Both teams have good offenses. Both teams have bad defenses. I'm predicting... 
Okay, like a 42-40 to 40 game? A really high-scoring fantasy game for us here. All right. So let's get our Jamal Charles and our Matt Forte and our Jay Cutler and our Alex Smith and our Jeremy Macklin and our uh, Martellus Bennett. Let's get it all on. Get everyone in the lineup. I say start everyone. Start everyone there. Start hmm. Robbie Gold. Start Cairo Santos. It's going to be <laughs> 85 to 106. Wow. This is going to be a great, great game for fantasy points. Defense is optional. Exactly. So who are the wide receivers you start for Chicago then? Eddie Royal? Yes. Anyone else? You worry about Marquise Wilson? Don't like Marquise Wilson. Alshon Jeffrey is a question to perhaps be back in the lineup for the first time. If he's back, do you start him? I start Jeffrey. Okay. Yeah, I think if he's back, you start him at least this week. He's been out for a couple weeks now. They'll, they'll bring him back when he's 90%, and that's fine. And a 90% Jeffrey is certainly enough to catch six passes versus the Kansas City defense. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, start everybody, man. Yeah. Yeah, Matt Forte is going to be great. I, I like Jeremy Macklin in this game. And, of course, Jamal Charles will probably have the best game out of all of them. Yeah, of course. <laughs> will this be his uh, yearly five-touchdown game? Yeah, I I mean, he's had a game where he had two touchdowns already, I think. Uh, he's definitely due for at least a three-touchdown game. <laughs> um, so, there aren't a ton of other games. The, the Monday night game is going to be pretty interesting to me. The Steelers at the Chargers. Uh, the Steelers do have to, like you were saying, travel, all that good stuff. However, I think traveling west is a lot easier than traveling east. Um, so I think that the Steelers may be able to go and get the bad taste of last week's loss out of their mouth and win a game in San Diego with the help of Martavis Bryant. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, The Chargers barely beat the, the Browns this year. They're not a very good team. The Steelers, if they get Ryan Shazier back and can... Like control the running game, and if the Chargers do have like all these injuries at wide receiver, they're going to have to rely only on Keenan Allen and Antonio Gates. And the Steelers should be smart enough to be able to contain two guys who aren't like you know the current superstars of the league. Yeah, well, they like, get if they were covering Rob Gronkowski. Their defense has actually been improving as the season goes on as well. So that's, it has right. That's uh, giving me a little bit of hope. <laughs> Uh, Michael Vick can throw the deep ball, so maybe Bryant will have a great game. Sure. I think that Bryant could definitely be the one who kind of helps them along here when they're waiting for Ben to get back. If I remember correctly, in the preseason, I think Bryant had a game with Vick where he had like 165 yards. Oh, very nice. So, I mean, they're they're familiar with each other. They were probably... Vick was signed during the preseason, right? Or was it during camp? Mm, He was signed during... Maybe during the preseason. Okay. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) <laughs> During the preseason, quote Dave Biggs. So with all the problems that the Chargers are having, they have no Malcolm Floyd, they have no Stevie Johnson, uh, they have Antonio Gates back. Is this a game where the Gates just you know is able to do pretty well, and that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much all there is? I think so. Gates was out uh, due to um, performance enhancing or recreational drugs, probably performance enhancing because that man is enormous. Um, so you know. It, maybe he took something good enough that like it's worth taking four games out. <laughs> well, what, it, it like gives him new feet. No, he always I, had the plantar fasciitis. Well, what he said was that you know, of course, it's one of those things where he was taking a new medicine or blah blah blah. And, right. I didn't know that it was going to fail. Yeah. Who knows? I, I the questionable response. But Keenan Allen and Antonio Gates and Danny Woodhead are the only people catching passes right now on that offense. Ladarius Green has been performing all right, which makes me think that Antonio Gates will slot in just fine with them. 
He's played with Philip Rivers for a long time. Philip Rivers is going to love having Gates back. But the Steelers win here. I still think the Steelers are going to be able to pull it out. So what about uh, about the Steelers? Martavis Bryant will obviously have a role, although no one can really say how much it is right now, um, especially because they want to run the offense through Le'Veon Bell and not Michael Vick. And they will. But <laughs> but you think he'll have a couple opportunities to drop downfield and, and get a long touchdown? Yeah, Mike Vick loves throwing the ball deep. He's good at it. I think they're going to kind of limit um, the designed runs for him. Those didn't seem to be working very well. Um, and they need to kind of allow him to throw the ball downfield more. So if he's not getting pressured as much as he was in the Baltimore game, then he'll be able to do that. So let's hope that the Steelers' offensive line can kind of hold things up and everything will flow from there. All right. Well, uh, certainly looking forward to that game on Monday night. And uh, if there's nothing else from you then we can certainly wrap it up here. Uh, so it was great to have all of you guys listening. And if you're listening after the fact, please do us a favor and rate us a couple stars on iTunes or Stitcher or TuneIn or wherever you're listening to us from. Um, and remember, drink5.com is going to have all the articles throughout the week. Uh, in the next couple of days, we'll have up the rookie report. We'll have a stardom situm. We'll have a confidence pool uh, article. We'll have all sorts of things up for you guys to read and enjoy. I especially like our player profiles throughout the year. Um, we had one recently on David Johnson, who's really turning out to be not bad. Who's really turning out to be a, a good be back, um, a guy that is definitely going to continue to put up good numbers throughout the year. And uh, you can email us directly at David Drink 5 or Jason at Drink 5. Hang out with us on Twitter at Drink 5 or check us out and like us on Facebook at Drink 5 Network. All right, good night, folks. Cheers, buddy.